You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. All of those on live stream, we just want to welcome you and love you. and Let you know that if there is a need that you have, a prayer request, Anything that we can do to support you, just uh, email us at contact at myelevationcc.org or reach us through Facebook or any other of the social media platforms we have. Is there a bird up there? No idea. That's fun. So we just pray against all distractions that that bird would find another place today. Maybe it's just reminding us what Jesus said. Just look at the birds and how well they're clothed and fed. And even his church buildings provide a home for them. (laughs) How much more will the Father provide for you? Um, Two weeks ago, last week, God erupted and interrupted our plans in a glorious way. I'm so grateful. And uh, if you weren't here, I encourage you to watch it. I believe the Lord will minister to you even through the video. But we're uh, ending today a series called Following Jesus. And two weeks ago, we looked at what it means and what it even looks like from the perspective of biblical translation of what it means to follow Jesus. And there's a word that we see in most English translations that says disciple. Come and be my disciple. Even calls the 12, the 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 70, the 120, and anyone who followed Jesus as disciples. We only see the word Christian in the Bible once or twice. And what they were known as was followers of the way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes through me will have eternal life, for no one can come to the Father unless through me. Okay? These were followers of the way, but when Jesus met with people, especially the 12 apostles. And he says, come follow me and be my disciple. There's a word in our English dictionary that fits just a little bit better than even disciple, and it's called apprentice. Apprentice. Because in the Jewish culture, Jesus was brought up in this culture, and the disciples knew exactly what those words meant. Come follow me, and I will make you. Because I shared two weeks ago that uh, there's this education system, and I'm going to go really fast uh, because it's just recap. But uh, education system where the boys and girls um, for the first till about age 12 
would go through a Jewish grade school and they would memorize several books of the Torah, the Old Testament. And then most boys and girls were done after that. The girls at age 13 literally would prepare for marriage and having children and learn what it meant to take care of their family as a wife and a woman of God. The men that uh, did not continue with school would, would follow after their father's trade to make a living and provide for their family. There was an elect group that would then continue on in like a private school with a professional rabbi that would teach them. They would learn the entire Torah by heart. They would memorize it. Then about age 15 and 16, almost all of them were done. And about 3% of them would be then elected to do something that most Jewish men never had the opportunity to do. And that was follow a rabbi, a teacher. They would interview the rabbi, or excuse me, the rabbi would interview the students. And out of that 3%, the rabbis would select 1%. And what they would say once they grilled them and made sure that they knew enough and were experienced enough and had the chemistry and the effort and the work ethic to possibly become a rabbi someday, they would say these words, come follow me and I will make you my disciple. So when Jesus, now when you read the, the Gospels, when they say rabbi, Jesus was a rabbi. But he wasn't just a rabbi. He was the Messiah, the Son of God. But he came in the form of human flesh. And in the Jewish culture, the place of spiritual rabbi, rabbi, arrival, spiritual arrival is a rabbi. And so he said, come, follow me, and I will make you disciples. Later on, he talks about those who have been under the burden of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders that were more focused and more concerned about the external law than what God wants to do inside the heart. And so Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So guys, let's unpack this a little bit. What he's saying is come to me as a rabbi, and I have a yoke that is unlike any other rabbi. What's a yoke? Well, there's two forms of a yoke in Scripture. Most likely, it was this illustration of two ox. One was a trained, experienced, broken ox, and the other one was a baby learning the trade of being an ox. And so the farmer would put this heavy wooden yoke over the trained, experienced mama, big daddy yachts, okay? And so then the, the one in trainee, the apprentice ox, did it, was, was placed in the yoke but didn't have hardly any burden or weight at all. 
It just had this, this kind of harness around it to where wherever the experienced ox went, so did the apprentice ox. And it learned how to plow the field. And what Jesus is saying is I have a yoke of the way that I am leading you that is different than the law, that is different than all other rabbis and religious spirit. And he's saying, come and learn from me. He's also saying, because people in that day understood that a yoke was a rabbi's teaching of the law. So put that together. The yoke that goes over the rabbi and the teacher and the apprentice slips right on in is actually the teaching of the law of God. And Jesus is now saying, I am bringing the kingdom of God. I am bringing a new way, for I am the way. Come follow me. Does that help? Does that make sense? So now we can understand that when he says, come follow me, they understand his language. And they understand that he's the Messiah. And it's crazy because he went to the most unlikely people. Probably the fishermen who never made it past age 12 of education. He went to the ones who didn't study under a rabbi. He went to the ones who were the least expected to be called apprentices. And that's good news for us today. Because none of us are qualified to follow the Messiah, the risen Savior. But I'm so grateful he calls us by name. And if he calls us by name, he will qualify the called. And I just have to do a shameless plug. Our worship team wrote a song called The Called. And just in two weeks, it's going to be published on all of Spotify and the music. It's awesome. Yeah, praise God. I love how God's word can be translated through music to our hearts. It's just a powerful thing. Okay, now can I get to my notes? (laughs) So apprenticing Jesus, following Jesus. There's three components that we see throughout the entire gospel of how Jesus disciples his apprentices. Number one, repeat after me, be with Jesus. It is creating time and space to be intimate in a relationship with Jesus. We all know relationships cannot grow in healthy manners if you are not spending healthy time in that relationship. And these disciples spent every waking and sleeping minute with Jesus. So this is literal as well. We are to be with Jesus 24-7. The second component of being an apprentice to a rabbi is you become more like the rabbi. 
because you spend every ounce of time with the rabbi. That's why the Bible says bad company corrupts good behavior. That's why the people that are your core group influence and impact who you become. So if you're spending every moment with Jesus who lives within you through the Holy Spirit, you should and will become more like him. It's not, a, it, it's, it's not if. It's a matter of when you spend time with Jesus. Like Brenda shared. He then does heart surgery on our lives. Every time. And we begin to look more and more like him. And when we look more and more like him because we spend time with him, we start to do what the rabbi does. We start to be many rabbis. Walking and talking and thinking and acting like our rabbi. Can I ask you, who do you talk like? Who do you think like? What are the rhythms of your daily walk? Does it reflect Jesus? Or does it reflect someone or something else? Because we are called to be with him, to look more like him. And then we're called to not look like the world, but do what he did. And this takes intentional yielding, slowing down, and walking in the yoke attached to Jesus. And so if you don't know what following Jesus looks like, the best place to start is in the Gospels. Look at Matthew, look at Mark, look at Luke, and look at John, and watch and discover Jesus' yoke and begin to walk in it. And friends, just like the young oxes in the yoke, you will be distracted You will make mistakes. You will resist and you will rebel. You will struggle and you will meet trials and testing. But be of good cheer as long as you stay in the yoke of Jesus. He's overcome it all. That's why he says, be of good cheer. Hey, by the way, you're going to get beaten. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to struggle with everything of the devil. But hey, take it as joy. Because the one you're attached to, we win. <laughs> it's so cool. And so today, we want to look at not just following Jesus in our own life, but we want to follow Jesus together. And I know we have a mix of extroverts. Can I hear the extroverts out there? Because I know they're out there. And then there's the introverts, and I will not ask you to let me know you're out there. Okay? But just because we're introverted or extroverted doesn't mean 
that we're not called to be in community together. It's God's design, and it may look different for the introverts than it does the extroverts. But we need to understand that just like a family unit needs each other, the spiritual family of God needs each other. And so I'd like to just give you three scriptures, and then we're just going to kind of unpack it for a little bit. The first one is found in John. It's the fourth book of the gospel in the New Testament. Some of these will not be on the screen. Actually, I think they all will be on the screen. John 13, 35. John 13, 35. This is Jesus, and this is a beautiful example, everyone, of his yoke, his teaching. Because now he's giving a new commandment. This is a problem in the culture. The Pharisees are saying, you can't make a new commandment. You're not God. And Jesus is trying to say, watch closely. I am who I am. So he is literally making a statement that he is the Messiah just because he's giving a new commandment. This is his yoke. This is why he's saying you can't get to God through any other yoke but mine. For I am doing the Father's will, and I will become the sacrificial lamb to lay my life down for the sins of the world. And he says that you love one another. He's taking the Ten Commandments. He's taking all of the law, the Torah, especially Numbers and Leviticus, He's taking them all and say, combine them all through one filter, and it is love. Love one another just as I have loved you. And these disciples don't really get it until the Spirit of God shows up in their lives, and they look back at the cross, and they see the sacrificial, substitutionary love of God. By this... Would you read this with me by this? Verse 35, ready? Here we go. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Friends, you can't love one another if you're not in relationship with one another. You can't. And let's be honest, can we? It's so much easier to love an acquaintance than it is to love someone who knows you through and through. Why do you think it's the closest people in your life that you hurt the most? Because it's the hardest to love the ones who know everything about you. And you know everything about them. The good, the bad, and yes, the ugly. And so loving one another shows us who is most important in our lives. That's why he said, if you love one another, all people will know that you are different and you are called by me. You can't love one another through social media. You can't. That's counterfeit. You love one another by rubbing 
elbows and shoulders together. You love one another by disagreeing. You love one another through working through conflict in a God-honoring way. The next scripture is 1 John chapter 4. Now this is all the way before Revelation, so go almost towards the back of your Bible. Revelations 4, verses 7 through 10. 1 John, why did I say Revelation? I'm sorry. 1 John 4, 7 through 10. Says this, beloved, hey, we've seen this before. Let us love one another. For love is from God. Can we read this together? And whoever loves, come on, has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, Jesus, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this, love, (laughs) not that we have loved God, but that he had loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Stop. Propitiation means literally suffering the penalty for. That's the propitiation of our sins. We do not, as long as we have Jesus, we do not have to suffer the brutal suffering and pain of our sin because it's already been paid for. But if you don't have Jesus, you're paying your sin on your own. And there is no ransom, redemption, or cure for that. Beloved, if God has so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. When we love one another, and let me tell you this, we're talking about agape, unconditional love. It cannot be mustered, manipulated, or manufactured by us in the world. That is not love. That's kindness. That's called self-gain. We're kind to you so that you will give me my items that I'm purchasing a lot faster. And would you wrap it up, please? Right? The world loves to receive love. This love is unconditional to where we're not even looking to receive. This is spiritual, supernatural love that is only driven by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and the fruit of the Spirit, by the way, what's the first one that he mentions? Love. When we love through the Holy Spirit and us saying yes to God, we show God to others. We are the visible image of God. Let that sink in your head for a minute. And now let's look at Hebrews 10. 
Hebrews 10, verse 25, 24 through 25, and it says this, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. These three verses are only three of, I would say, hundreds if not thousands of Scripture in the New Testament that tell us that we are meant to grow in the image of Christ together. We need each other. We are called to love one another. We're called to serve one another. We're called to fellowship with one another. We're called to forgive one another. And if need be, we are called to lay down our lives for one another. You can't do that when you're not living life with one another. We are a spiritual family. Can we agree? Can we agree that we will never be able to see this commission from Jesus in our own lives and the lives of others around us, even here in the ECC local body, if we do not create time and space to be with one another And I'm not talking about just an hour and a half on Sunday where our attention is forward to the stage. That's part of it. But we're talking about having a fellowship and a relationship that carries us out of these building walls. Here's the problem we all deal with. It's called the progressive 21st century. Now in Jesus' day, and in the day of Acts, and throughout, they still had challenges and distractions, but it may have looked a little bit different than what we experience in our country of America in the 21st century. But here's just a few things that we struggle with to get to the design of what the church is supposed to be, living and following Jesus together. Here's our problems. Number one, we desire comfort. We like our couch. We like our tablets and our devices. We like our Netflix. We like our movies. We like our time alone. We are inundated with so many stimulus now that we don't know, me included, don't know how to be present with others. Amen? (laughs) We are... Man, I feel like I'm preaching to myself today. No wonder I was heavy this morning. (laughs) We are over busy. We are. We're over committed. And we are constantly in a hurry. You can't do life when you are over busy, over committed, and constantly in a hurry. You can't do life with others. We resist change. What I have found, and I know that I'm a lot younger than many of you, but what I have found, even at being 43, is I resist change more than I did five years ago. And I think, am I correct, correct me if I'm wrong, 
the older we get, the more set in our ways we become. Is that true? Okay. So I'm not telling you, you're telling me that. It's true. And in order to live life with each other, we have to be open for change. We have to be open to others who do life differently than we do. Relationships. This is a general statement, so don't take offense if this is not you, but relationships in our country, in our world, especially thanks to social media, are very shallow and superficial. It's about what you're wearing. It's the pictures of where you went on vacation. What you're thinking and what you're eating for lunch. You laugh. Have you looked at Facebook lately? Relationships. I, I tell you, and, and, and I do this from time to time, and my wife or other people who can speak into my life will tell me this, but we would go out, we'll go out to eat. And I can't tell you, I would say 90% of the people out to eat are either eating or on their phone. They're not talking to each other. It's like they're together, but they're not. And we got to fight that. We got to fight that. Because the relationship with our phone will not help us become more like Jesus. So we desire comfort. We are over busy, over committed, constantly on a, in a hurry. We resist change in every area of our lives. Can I tell you this? This, this came from my mentor, uh, Dave Robinette, who passed away a few months ago. And he taught me this in 2006. He says, Phil, if you want to grow, and you, I, you, I want to grow in Jesus. I want to grow more like Jesus, but that takes change. Any kind of growth takes change. You want to grow stronger and healthier, it's going to take changing of your diet and your exercise schedule. With every change comes a sense of loss. You're going to lose chocolate brownies and ice cream and Mountain Dew. It's a sense of loss. You're going to lose some time sitting in your comfy chair because you're at the gym. It's a sense of loss, right? We don't like loss. We don't like losing things. So we resist change, and because we resist change, we don't grow. I'm not trying to yell at you. I'm just passionate about this because if we are called to grow more like Jesus, we have got to lay some things down. And that includes change. And the last thing that challenges us to live life together is often we develop a spiritual entitlement that we don't need help. We don't need others. I'm fine right where I'm at. And all of a sudden, we get this other spiritual entitlement that we don't need 
to suffer. And we don't need struggles because we're a Christian. And these storms in my life must be an attack from the devil because I'm God's chosen and he would not send me through a storm. Have you read the Bible? God is called the afflictor. (laughs) Not all things come from God, but he allows and sends things in our lives so that we would change. We would lose what we need to lose. We would grow spiritual muscle and thick skin and skill and trust and dependence so that we could grow more like the one we are following. Am I uh, speaking to anyone but myself? Okay, good. So what will it take then? And this is where counting the cost is essential. Now I'm going to tell you something. If you like your comfort, and I say this sincerely, and you like your schedule as it is, and it's working for you, and you like the superficial relationships. And you don't need change right now in your life. You're welcomed here. And you are loved by God. He loves you so much that he sent his son for you to die for you. You're welcome here. But if you're discontent with the way life is for you, and you know that there is so much more to following Jesus than just Sunday morning, then you need community. So what will it take? It will take genuine repentance. Repentance is a simple word of confessing your sin to God. Letting Him and others know that you are powerless to do anything within your own strength. And you are need in need of a higher power, Jesus Christ, to come and live inside of you and change you from the inside out. It will take obedience We don't like that word. It's a good word. It's a phenomenal word. Because when we look in the mirror, you truly obey that which you cherish most. Don't believe me. Just look at the inventory of your life since January. You too. You either obey the cravings within you or you're obeying the things that God is saying that is more important than the cravings or feelings or the things you think you want. It takes genuine repentance. It takes sacrificial obedience. It takes desperate surrender. To say, I have been crucified with Christ. 
It's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. It is a daily sacrifice. I think it was two weeks ago. I talked about bearing your cross. Jesus says, if you want to apprentice me, you must deny yourself and carry your cross. For illustration purposes, your cross is the cross of sacrifice, your burial of yourself. It is carrying a sacrificial shuffle as you follow Jesus. Not my way, but your way. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And before you know it, your life is hidden in Christ because your sin nature is in the grave. That is following Jesus. Genuine repentance, sacrificial obedience, desperate surrender, and last, in community with others. In community with others. Could you put that verse in Acts up there for me? It should be Acts. We always look at Acts as the design, the original design for the church, and absolutely. I said a couple, I think it was last week. We all want to get back to the church of Acts. But in order to get back to the church of Acts, you've got to do church and life the way they did. Genuine repentance, sacrificial obedience, desperate surrender, and in community with others. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. And day by day, attending church together and breaking bread together in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's a move revival of God. But you cannot be a part of that revival of God if we are not in relationship with others who are pursuing Jesus day by day. And so I give this message to lead up to community groups that we're going to do the next three months. But hear me, this message isn't just for our community group that meets for three months in someone's home or here at the church. This is a message for us to be in community with others. 365 days a week, a year, excuse me. Yes, I'm slowing down here. But what we're going to do the next three months is essential to growing like Jesus together. I'm just going to take a few more minutes and then the band's going to come up and lead us into response. But this is so important to know. So starting March, every Sunday, we're going to teach on practicing the ways of Jesus because that's what apprentices did 
with the rabbis. Spend time with Jesus. Become more like Jesus and do what Jesus did. There has to be some importance to the practices or spiritual disciplines that Jesus did while here on earth for us to follow. I will say this if you're thinking it. Practicing the ways of Jesus just because the pastor told you so or you feel the conviction and the guilt that if you don't do it, you won't be a good disciple, is legalism, and it's a spirit of religion. Then don't do it. If someone's forcing you to practice spirituality, don't do it. You do it because you love Jesus, and you want to grow closer and closer and more like Jesus. So these practices, there's actually nine of them, We're only going to do three of them this spring season. But these practices are literally just making time and space to grow more like Jesus. That's it. And so every Sunday, we're going to discover what it looks like to practice a specific way of Jesus. We're going to start with prayer. March will be the month of prayer. Now, where community groups come into play is you will be able to walk with your community group the week leading up to the message. You get to talk about it. You get to discuss and fellowship and have a meal with each other. And you're able to stretch each other, but you're also able to create a plan for the following week of how you are going to implement the practice. Then, When you come back the following week with your community group, you get to say, how did we do? Where did I feel resistance? Where did I experience delight? And where did God make himself known to me? That's what we do together. And so I want to encourage you to sign up for a community group from March all the way to the end of May. We're doing it as a church. So if you're not able to be in a community group, know that we will be teaching on that practice each Sunday. But if you're not in a community group, please connect with someone from this church or another church that would be willing to meet with you every week or every other week just to discuss how you are implementing being with Jesus, looking more like Jesus. And doing what Jesus did. The groups are meeting at different times in different locations. And so I'm just going to give you a very brief summary. But you can go to the lobby. Today's the last day technically to sign up. Because groups will start meeting this week. So we have Monday night. Every other Monday night is a group called Empty Nesters. It's for people who... Their kids, you've boot kicked them out of the house. You're in a different season. Tuesday morning, I'm so excited to announce this. It's a brand new ladies group. They're going to meet here at the church Tuesday morning. Tuesday evening is a men's group that will meet at the Grable Farm in the evening. Wednesday evening, after prayer here from 6.30 to 7.30, we will have a community group that meets from 7.30 to 8.45. Thursday evening at the church will be another community group. And Saturdays, I'm so excited about this one, the young adults in our church have decided 
you know what? We need to connect with other young adults, 18 to 20-something, and they're going to meet every Saturday. And so when you, yeah, isn't that awesome? And so young adults, make sure you sign up on the table so they can connect with you. Thank you, team. Can we pray? Father, may your word go deep into our hearts. I pray for every single person that they, this week, would take one baby step towards being with you, Jesus. One little baby step towards becoming more like you. And as they do, Father, equip them and empower them with the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus did. And now, God, would you minister to us as we respond to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.